Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for all that little horror stuff there. Mm. I am your host, Brandon. I am your other host, Justin. And welcome to the show. Yes, welcome indeed. It's, yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good finally, to see you. literally, yeah, good to see you. We're uh, we're behind the eight ball on this one because we're <laughs> acting like this is new technology, but <laughs> Zoom's been going on for like the last year, yeah. and we're like, hey, who who would have thought? But Justin's got a little technologies over there that we're getting all set up. Yeah, now we can actually see each other, albeit through cameras. And that's... hey, but the, there's no delay though, so I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, it's almost like you're actually here, except you can't yeah. see all my cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll definitely see if that helps the vibe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it is cool to see the old basement again. I got a little bit of a Millennium Falcon backdrop going on here. Indeed. He started um, out with Simpsons, which was you know, super cool for me. But Yeah, I did that for you. All right, so we are back this um, this week, and we're talking about Event Horizon. Yeah. Um, Justin had never seen it before. It was one of those movies that I loved when I, it came out when I was uh, 14 years old. I was a big fan of it because it was so creepy, like just the vibes of it, the look of it, the sound mm-hmm. of it, everything. And then I watched it last night for probably the first time in I'd say 15 years. It didn't. I wouldn't. I, it, it held up. It's still a really good movie. Like I love the concept and everything about it. I just like it's that movie that you hold in like this kind of special place where you're like this movie. It didn't scare me like Candyman did. Sure. But like it definitely, it definitely had a vibe to it. Well, and, it's got that nostalgia factor, given you haven't seen it in twenty years. Yeah, and so that's kind of where that was at. Um, I remember seeing this movie in theaters which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, what were your thoughts on it before we... I surprisingly liked it. When it started and they were doing that text explaining the history and it was typing out letter by letter, I was going, okay, uh, <laughs> this is going alien. to be a shame. Uh, but it was really good. Like, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but... Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, I, I was going to, in my notes, because like, like we said last last episode, we're going to try and do something a little bit different. Instead of going beat for beat on the movie, we're just going to talk about, we you know, we got some jumping off points and things that stood out to us. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the, uh, sorry if my audio was there. I think I had something clicked on accident. Um, one of the things that I was going to take notes on was those... Um, the timeline. Yeah. In when which, it said 2015, I went, huh. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> yeah, right. And then it, it progressed all the way up to 2047. And I'm like, okay, but that's still only 26 years away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so... Maybe um, we'll get the colonize on the moon part. <laughs> May, hey, they might already. We don't even know. True. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I, I definitely remember this movie a lot more fondly than like what I said earlier, I watched it last night, but I still really do enjoy this movie. Um, I, I bought it on voodoo 
um, is like ten bucks. It's on. It's on part of the sales right now. So by the time we're recording on a Saturday, by the time you hear this, it should still be on sale. If you're just looking to get it, I think I bought it for five, ten bucks. Um, I think you can get it in 4K right now for twelve. Yeah, I think so. But but one of the like with a lot of these movies, like part of the charm of this is it's I wouldn't say graininess, but it's not a soup like it just doesn't seem like it's like watching star wars on 4k like it wasn't made to be seen like that and so like when you have obviously by the graphics you know watching the movie but it's like there's something about just watching an older movie in its you know original format is uh my preference yeah it's like halloween or listening to a in your case record on vinyl you just oh man that pop sizzle that uh, sells that old timey look Man, field. I have been going crazy on the vinyls. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, <laughs> Are you? Did you buy the trick or treat? No, that's a hundred dollars, man. I know. It's. I'm not saying it's not <laughs> worth it. The so, I I bought a bunch of. Like anytime I see something, I like I'll go to the store. I'm like, okay, yesterday I think I grabbed a a, pa- a Pantera album. My brother bought me David Bowie's Legacy. Uh, like a bunch of stuff like that. Led Zeppelin, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, one of course. The, that and how, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween's two of my all-time favorite um, soundtracks. But I regret not buying the Candyman um, soundtrack yeah. when I had the chance because it was only forty bucks, and now I can't find it anything less than triple digits. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> That's uh, always did, the way. Right, and but I did, I did snag the Candyman two soundtrack for like thirty bucks. I got that. I got some John Carpenter albums, like his Lost Themes and Anthology and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're there, man. I'm so I'm so jacked. <laughs> I, I was uh, looking at the Trick or Treat soundtrack when I was uh, sending Justin. Uh, the cheapest I found it for. There's a bid going on. It's a there's like 20 hours left. It's like at 50 bucks. Not bad. So I might keep an eye on that one. But the cheapest was 100. It's averaging like 250 on eBay, which is just egregious for an album. Well, I mean anything Trick or Treat is expensive mm. believe me i've looked i mean getting the old uh comic collection getting yeah. posters figures like some of the sam figures out there from nick and whatnot are hundreds of dollars i think the one i have is worth over 100 bucks i should have bought it because i saw it at, at walmart the other day i which you gotta send me a text to remind you i did get you the little sam uh yeah. toonie terror and i'm, I'm looking it. at him i'm looking at him right over there I have one on my shelf and I have one in the package. I took mine out, so I, I took the shitty package one and I was like, "Here." Well, I'm gonna you don't open take mine this. anyway. Oh, okay. I don't have the room to keep it in package, but I do right. have a little Sam collection now. I've got my Ultimate Edition. I've got the Funko that you got me, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Solar Bobblehead where his body sways. Oh hell yeah! I, I snagged that from Target. Yeah, I might have to keep an eye out then because. Walmart's been stepping up their collectible game. Definitely. Um, I bought two. Well, I bought a Halloween. I bought a Michael Myers bobblehead, which is super awesome. And then they have. They're called tubs. They're little rubber duckies that come in mm, bathtubs. I saw those. Yeah, and so I bought the the David and Michael from Lost Boys because I don't have anything Lost Boys related other than the poster. That's crazy. I, I need the Funkos. I have them in my Amazon wish list. I just haven't 
haven't bought them. But how about we get <laughs> to, like how about we, we did talk get, about doing a toy episode? So I, and here we are. One so, of these days, we'll have to do a bonus toy episode. Oh, you know what I think we should do? I think we should figure out the way to do that in a video format somehow. Yeah, that'd be fun to kind of show off. Although, all I don't know. I'm thinking about it. All my stuff's on shelves. I couldn't imagine you trying to take yours out of the shelf to show people one by mm. one. But <laughs> all right, Event Horizon. Yeah. The reason why you all are here or should be. Um, Event Horizon is a 1997 science fiction horror film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Philip Eisner. It stars uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen Quinlan, and Jolie Richardson. Set in 2047, it follows a crew of astronauts sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship, the, um, the Event Horizon, spontaneously appears in orbit around Neptune. Searching the ship for signs of life, the, crew, uh, the rescue crew learns that the Event Horizon was a testbed for an experimental engine that opened a rift in, spa- in the space-time continuum and left our universe entirely allowing a malevolent entity to possess the ship. So technically this is a possession a yeah. possession episode. Yeah. Um, the film did have a troubled history um, production-wise with filming and editing, editing rushed by Paramount when it became clear that the Titanic would not meet its projected release date. The yeah. original 130-minute cut of the film was heavily edited by demand of the studio to the uh, consternation of... Uh, director paul ws anderson well yeah that's cutting it by almost an hour that's nuts yeah well the movie itself was what two hours it was 97 minutes okay cool yeah um i would like to try to see if i can find a director's cut of this movie if there is one and oh man an extra hour almost Mm. um upon release the film was a commercial and critical failure grossing 2.6 uh, I'm sorry, two six or twenty six point seven million in the U.S. on a sixty million production budget. Sorry, I forgot how to talk. Um, even so, it began to sell well on home video. Its initial DVD release sold so well that Paramount contacted Anderson shortly after its release to begin working on a restoration of the deleted footage. However, it turned out that the footage had either been lost or destroyed. Aw. That's too bad. Right? In the years since, the film has slowly built a cult following and is often referenced in other works of pop culture. Yeah, like, I don't know how they would do that, but, like, I kind of feel like if there was a way to kind of expand on this movie a little bit not necessarily saying it needs a universe or its own contained whatever but yeah but it would be nice to know kind of what happened like where did the ship go i mean sure that's part of the charm and the mystery of it all but like i would love to know what caused that shit like one not to stoke the flames of a headache for me any further but it gave me very hellraiser-y vibes yeah it's like hellraiser meets alien yeah Mm-hmm. Um, the tagline for this movie is infinite space, infinite terror. Ooh. Ooh. Would you look at that? It's very <laughs> creepy. Um, so after Mortal Kombat in 1995 had become a commercial success in the United States, 
director Paul Anderson was inundated with screenplay offers as well as the opportunity to direct Mortal Kombat. Um, the sequel to Mortal Kombat, sorry, was he was offered the opportunity to direct the sequel to Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation in 1997 and the upcoming X-Men in 2000. Anderson turned the offers down in favor of making an R-rated horror film, hoping to shift away from making another PG-13 film. Uh, well, he dodged one bullet and yeah. took the other one. <laughs> uh, Paramount Pictures that uh, then sent Philip Eisner's original script for Event Horizon, which they had been trying to develop with producers Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin. According to Eisner, he first pitched its concept to Gordon as a haunted house space uh, a haunted house story in space with the producer, uh, which the producer thought had the potential to become a motion picture. Luckily, Eisner said he liked the idea enough to trust me to do it. Anderson's initial reaction to the script, which involved the cruise ship event horizon experiencing a series of hauntings by a tentacular aliens, um, having crossed the threshold of their planet or dimension was that it bore striking resemblance to Alien in 1979. While producer and longtime collaborator Jeremy Bolt felt it was a terrific concept, but a very dent, but was very dense in the terms of length, and the storyline was a bit lost. Anderson disliked directing a mimicry, a mimicry of Alien, so he gave the script a major rewrite. Anderson had in mind a classic haunted house movie incorporating significant influences to the moderately successful horror films such as Robert Wise, Wise's The Haunting in 1963 and Stanley Kubrick's 1980 classic, The Shining, before they enforced suspense from the unknown, meaning the ghost or creature was hidden from the viewer, and their endings induced amb ambiguities of perception in the audience. Anderson, too, said he was interested in the concept of hell and was, as well as the idea of the ship itself being possessed rather than going, oh, it's an alien consciousness that is doing this, and added these in the script, which I think was great. I would I much prefer the concept of hell and all that than it just being an alien. Yeah, I when they first started talking about the idea of, oh, it's hell, I was like, eh, eh. but the idea of it being like a different dimension well like what like, sam okay, neil said that makes he was sense. talking about being a realm of chaos right where you didn't even you don't have to call it hell right but i dig that much more than aliens to where it's like oh could you imagine being in a reality where like ripping your eyes out and like having all these crazy ass cuts yeah, it's just what is, you do yeah like hey this is, this it's a is, slow uh, tuesday yeah it's fun <laughs> yeah. um uh, screenwriter Philip Eisner acknowledged Warhammer 40,000 as a major inspiration for the plot. In the fictional setting of Warhammer 40,000, starships travel the galaxy by passing through the warp. Excuse me. Which is a parallel dimension where faster than light travel is possible, similar to hyperspace in the Star Wars setting, but also infested with demons which are liable to infiltrate the ship and possess the crew. Many fans of Warhammer 40,000 consider Event Horizon to be an unofficial prequel to the former when humankind discovers the warp and learns of its dangers the hard way. Um, I think I have a Warhammer 40,000 video game on my computer. I know of it. I've never dabbled in it. I've never heard of it. 
You never heard of it? Mm-mm. Figured out. Um, okay. as, <laughs> as, no. as, no, no, I'm good. Mm. As Anderson explains, directors usually have a standard 10 week editing period to produce the first cut of the film as guaranteed by the director's guild of America. However, due to the short production schedule of the film, the rapidly approaching release date, and the fact that principal photography had not yet been finished, Anderson agreed with um, the Paramount Studio to an editing period of six weeks and promised to deliver the film by August of 97. Excuse me. As Paramount wanted to have a hit film before Titanic's planned September release date. When the main unit wrapped... Anderson was supposed to start editing the film, but he had still but he still had to shoot two weeks with the second unit, effectively shortening the time he could spend in post-production to just four weeks. Hmm. In that short amount of time, only a rough cut of the film could be assembled. Anderson notes that at two hours and ten minutes, it was overly long, and with weak directing and acting that could have used other another editing uh, pass, unfinished special effects, and a poor sound mix. In test screenings, the cut was poorly received. Uh, There were complaints about the extreme amount of gore, and Anderson and producer Jeremy Bolt claimed members of the test audience fainted during the screening. Fuck. That's the movie I want to see. (laughs) Yeah, that's the movie I want to see. I don't think it needs to be longer, but adding more scare factor would have been nice. Yeah, and that's one of the things I put in my notes is like I I much would have preferred having that kind of scare opposed to be like, hey, let's toss in a few alien cat style jump scares just to be mm. like, ooh. Um, so, and off topic real quick, but not really. It always makes me laugh when I read things like this and they talk about um, they talk about test viewing audiences and how they're like, oh, this is the scariest thing they've ever seen. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, like freaking out and screaming and stuff like that. And I'm like, where do you guys get these people? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, um, are you going for a general reaction? Because I kind of feel like if you want to test the footage, get your audience. Yeah, it should be people you, like us who've seen a million of these and go, okay, yeah, yeah this is interesting. This is something different. Right. It's like, hey, we're going to test a Marvel movie, but you don't like comic books. Yeah. Yeah, which there are plenty of them out there that don't. And it's like, why are you reviewing this movie if you have zero interest in it to begin with? Um, I lost my place here. So, where'd it go? Uh, Paramount, which had stopped watching the dailies before any of the gore was shot, and we're seeing the completed film for the first time along with the audience. Uh, we're similarly shocked by how gruesome it was and demanded a shorter runtime with less gore. God damn it, Paramount. <laughs> Anderson <Bastards>. believes <laughs> Anderson believes that while his first cut was justifiably considered too long, Paramount forced him to make a cut that was instead too short and that the film would benefit by the restoration of, of around 10 minutes of footage, including some of the, of the deleted gore. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what i was thinking like an extra 10 15 minutes and some more creepy gross factor mm-hmm. like expand on on some of that stuff like that like i i do think that they did what was in there worked mm-hmm. like by adding um like it being so quick that you can't really you know decipher what's going on in there like when they showed the scene where everything's just it almost looked like a like a blood orgy 
Yeah. But massacre at the same time, torture, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that just getting glimpses of it helped. But, like, I don't know. I I guess I'm kind of torn on that. Because, I mean, not being able to really make it out kind of leaves a little bit more of the imagination than being told. But, like, at the same time, more would have been good. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think they needed to go, you know, super crazy with it, but I think, I don't know, maybe a little bit more of it sooner in the movie mm-hmm. would have been yeah. nice. Cause the build-up takes a little while, even though the beginning also felt rushed because it's so short, so it's kind of, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. They they definitely hammered in the son, the dead son and the dead wife. Mm-hmm. Like, I get, like, that's you know, I don't know. I just kind of lost my train of thought, but like, do, do they not all have their demons? Like, was I guess it just some are more too? prominent than others, but yeah. yeah um, I don't know. So after the initial DVD release became a surprise hit, the studio and Anderson became interested in, dis- in assembling um, a director's cut, but they quickly discovered that, um, the excise footage had not been carefully stored and much of it had gone missing. The plan to assemble a director's cut was abandoned and instead a special edition two-disc DVD set was released featuring one deleted scene, two extended scenes, and a few shots of deleted material in the, um, in, in the including making of featurette. The footage is of video quality. Mm-hmm. Known deleted scenes, including a meeting scene where Weir and people in charge of the mission in which discuss, and they discuss the event horizon, some dialogue of which remain present in the theatrical trailer, more backstory for Cooper and Justin, including a stronger explanation for Justin entering the black hole, which would have been nice, a deleted backstory of the relationship between Stark and Miller, um, additional scenes explaining what the gateway to hell black hole is. Miller finding a tooth floating in the event horizon. Oh, that's cool. A yeah, <laughs> a longer version of the scene in which Peters hallucinates that her son's mangled legs are covered in maggots. A scene in which Weir hallucinates that Justin turns into his wife Claire. Ah, a bloodier version of Weir's wife, um, Claire's suicide. A longer version of the scene where Miller finds DJ's dead body with his guts on the table. A longer version of the visions from hell seen during uh, Miller's final fight with Weir with more shots of the Event Horizons crews being tortured. There, that, that, that last one right there, just more visions. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, like they didn't have, could have been varied, whatever, but like more would have been good on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood orgy video was also longer and Anderson was sometimes too busy filming other scenes. Second unit director, uh, Vadim Jean, Jean filmed some parts of this scene. Real life amputees were used for the special effects scenes in which the event horizon crews members were mutilated and pornographic film actors were hired to make the sex and, um, rape scenes more realistic and graphic i didn't get any of the the r-word scenes in there but i that makes sense i mean it was very porn-ish yeah albeit rough yeah i wish that i I would prefer it to be more rough than rapey 
Sure. You know what I mean? Like uh, nobody, nobody wants, like that's not necessary. Well, that's the thing. It's, (laughs) it did feel like porno ish, but I wasn't getting like the, I just assumed that the aliens were eating them and torturing them. Not necessarily anything too physical. Yeah. Um, Because it did look like there was one where it looked like somebody was bent over. So Mm. that seemed sexual. But I didn't get sex out of anything else. I just saw people like being torn apart. That's the thing. I I said I didn't see that, but it also doesn't make sense given the rest of the movie. Yeah. That didn't seem like the point of it. I could see that in a Hellraiser, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Pleasure and pain kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't really make sense for this. Yeah. So the film's final ending was a combination of two unused alternate endings that were filmed. One did not have a jump scare at the end when the last two survivors are found by another rescue crew. Um, And Stark uh, hallucinates that she sees Weir, although there were similar versions of the scene included in this ending where she hears screams from the Event Horizon's crew and screams in fear before Cooper wakes her up. This was the original ending of the film um, included in the shooting script. The second ending had Miller fighting with the burn man from his visions um, at the core instead of with Weir, but this was changed due to the negative test screening. In in, in an Event Horizon Q&A in 2011, Anderson was asked when the extra footage would be made available. He responded, never explaining that much of it's gone forever. However, in a 2012 interview, he announced that producer Lloyd Levin had found a VHS tape with its original rough cut. Anderson said that after finishing Resident Evil Retribution, he planned to watch it for the first time since assembling the film. In an interview in January of 2017, Anderson reiterated a director's cut will never be released as the footage doesn't exist anymore. Asked about the VHS tape, he said neither he nor Levin had watched it yet as Levin moved to Spain. However, he was still excited about watching it at some point. Watch the fucking movie, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Um, Event Horizon was released on, uh, was released on August 15th of 1997 and was a box office failure. Um, it made $60 million to make, which I don't, I mean, the sets are elaborate and they look great. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to assume half the budget was on the shit CGI, Yeah. but it only grossed $26,616,590 in the U S. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're like, Oh, (laughs) it's got to at least make its budget back in the U S market. Mm hmm. So I'm not going to get into the reviews and all that like I normally do, but it's on the review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, Event Horizon holds an approval rating of 28% based on 75 reviews and an average rating of seven, uh, 4.78 out of 10. Its consensus reads, despite a strong opening that promises sci-fi thrills, Event Horizon quickly devolves into an exercise of style over substance, whose flashy effects and gratuitous gore fail to mask its over-reliance on horror cliches. Um, on Metacritic, the film holds a weighted average of 35 out of 100 based on um, critics, critics, in quotes I put, Mm-hmm. Indicating generally unfavorable reviews, audience polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of a D plus on a scale of A plus to F. Wow. But I'm hey, really Rod- surprised. I yeah. Mean, 
like I said, I, when I saw the ratings for this and the opening, I was like, oh, this is going to be another Killer Clowns Maximum Overdrive headache. <laughs> I liked the movie. Like, yeah. Like I said, I probably won't ever buy it and watch it again, but it was still fun and a lot better than a lot of the other things we've watched for this show. Yeah, well, and see, IMDb ha- has given it a 6.7, it has a 6.7 out of 10 rating, and that's o- over 159,000 reviews, Jeez. Or, or, or ratings, or whatever. Um, so, 7 out of 10, I feel like that's a fair Yeah, score. I'd take that. Yeah. Um, so, I had it pulled up, because I was going to, um, just in case we were talking about uh, Paul Anderson a little bit, and some of the things that he's done, like, he's written a bunch of things, but like things I didn't really realize he directed. So he's, he's at the helm for the new movie monster hunter, which mm. is a video, uh, popular video game. Um, but did the mortal Kombat? He did soldier. He did a bunch of the resident evil movies. He did alien versus predator, um, death race, Pompeii, mm. um, got some decent movies on there, but yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah. So Roger Ebert and some other critics noted the influence on Tarkovsky's Solaris on Event Horizon. Um, and then there's a bunch of other things on here talking about three out of five star ratings, blah, blah, blah. Um, in August of 2019, it was reported that Paramount Television and Amazon Studios were developing a series based on Event Horizon. Horror filmmaker Adam Wingard is set to executive produce and pro- uh, possibly direct the series. Um, Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin, who originally produced the film, are also involved. So there we go. That's hmm. actually, I was going to say, like this movie, I'm not normally big on um, like remaking everything. Right. But given what this movie went through, it sounds like it definitely, you know, wouldn't be bad to see a little bit of a, you know. Updated version. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I don't see it being a decent series, but just watching it as, you know, it was wrapping up and everything was, you know, coming to a close. I was like, an updated version of this with better mm-hmm. effects, a little better dialogue would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so before we get into it, um, Adam Wingard, it said horror director Adam Wingard. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to look up to see what he's been involved in. So he, he directed that movie, You're Next. He directed a segment called Tape 56 for uh, the movie VHS. Oh, nice. Um, he directed the Q segment, or Q is for Quack in the ABCs of Death. He did VHS 2 segment Phase 1 Clinical Trials. He did the 2016 Blair Witch. Um, I haven't seen that yet. He did Death Note in 2017 and actually is the director of Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh. Coming out in a couple months. Which I can't fucking wait to see. (laughs) I am jacked out of my mind for that. Yeah, I hope it's good. I hope it is too, but I am, I'm ready and waiting, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so before we dive into the movie, um, I do got, I did have some fun facts here. 
that I lost. So give me just a minute and I'll have those pulled back up. Okay. Um, yeah, man. I know this is it's off topic, but like I'm so jacked that they're doing that universe where they're doing the King Kong. And That's a monster movie. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch for us to cover those, but not by too much. I don't think so, man. If if you, the listener, want us to talk about monster movies... Yeah, like Godzilla like, and King Kong. Yeah, like, granted, I, can, I, I, I see what you're talking about with that, but, like, gore, not, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much horror, but, I mean... No, I mean, it's... Monster, monster movies are a staple of the, um, of that. Yeah. I mean, they're essentially the universal monsters without quite the the Halloween-y touch to them. You know, it's a big lizard and a big gorilla, you know. But just watching them earlier last year, I watched them both, and Mm -hmm. there's definitely some some elements in there that are creepy. Yeah, so if you want us to uh, cover that, let us know. Yeah. So before we dive into the movie, I got got some fun facts. Um, That sounds fun. Okay, so the rotational shot of the space station over Earth took nearly a third of the film's visual effects budget. And made me nauseous. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> this is unnecessary. Yeah. Too, it was a way lot of too twirling. long. Yeah, way too much twirling. Way too expensive. Um, so the spacesuits worn by the actors weighed about 65 pounds each. Wow. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne nicknamed his Doris. Do the weight standing upright in them for longer periods could lead to back injury, but sitting down was not possible either due to the backpack. Uh, special hanging poles were constructed on the set so um, actors could rest on them between takes. Jeez. Yeah, that sucks. Um, having just done a PG-13 movie in Mortal Kombat, he was, um, Paul Anderson was very keen to do something more mature and gruesome. This is why he turned down the chance to direct... Uh, X-Men. I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Paul Anderson's initial rough cut submitted to the MPAA received the Kiss of Death NC-17 rating. Hmm. Um, so the visions from hell were inspired by works from 16th century Renaissance painters Heronius Oh, right. Sorry. Hieronymus Bosch and Pieter Brugel, which director Anderson saw while he was touring art um, galleries with his production designer. Anderson was fascinated by these paintings as the makers clearly believed in the reality of hell as the uh, complete antithesis um, of heaven. Antithesis. Fuck off of heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the images they created were terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Correct me again. I'll drive to your house. You'll drive to my house. (laughs) Where I am living. Yeah. Um, From green light to completion, the film took 10 months. An unusually short time for such a complex and effects-driven film. Um, The scene in which Weir explains how to bend space and time in order to travel huge interstellar distances is paraphrased in Interstellar. Um... Romilly uses the exact same demonstration to uh, illustrate the theory, folding a piece of paper and pushing a pen through it while explaining it to Cooper. Hmm. Um, 
The model of the Event Horizon includes a complete X-wing, a complete X-wing from Star Wars as part of the antenna ray. Um, the model is visible on the lower portion of the Event Horizon during the film or during the first flyby by the Lewis and Clark. I was gonna say it looked a lot to me like a Star Trek Bird of Prey. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but. It's the Klingon ship, so it has the oh, okay. main seating area up front, and then a long neck, and then the wings. Yeah, come out. At the, yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, so the event horizon was named after the theoretical boundary surrounding a black hole, within uh, within which gravitational attraction is so great that nothing, not even radiation, can escape because the escape velocity is greater than the speed of light. Technically, it is where the physical universe ends and the laws of uh, and physical laws no longer apply. So the ship's name is a sim- uh, is symbolic for its journey beyond the borders of the known universe. Fuck! What's a trip, man? <laughs> um, so the shot where Sam Neill stares out of a window, which then pulls back to reveal he's on the deck of a space station orbiting Earth, took the digital special effects house um, Cinesite. 10 weeks to achieve. Jeez. The shot lasts for an egregious 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he, oh, so he, not only did he turn down the opportunity to direct um, X-Men, he also turned down X-Files and Alien Resurrection. Hmm. Um, some of the, trying to see if there's any good ones um so the event horizon was modeled on Notre dame cathedral it has its uh, long corridor resembles the church nave and its interior is filled with uh, cruciform shapes columns and vaults also its engines uh, resemble rotated church towers hmm. which makes sense it's very pointy and spiky and yeah there were a lot of spikes um so, filming occupied seven sound, uh, sound stages at Pinewood Studios outside London. Um, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut was being filmed on an adjacent sound on a on an adjacent uh, sound stage. God, why was that hard for me to say? I don't know. Um, it's also where they the, do a lot of Bond. Yeah. Well, uh, the working title was "The Stars: My Destination." Um, yeah, it really is. (laughs) Let's see. In keeping with the naturalistic science fiction tone of the film, the costumes were based on mod on present day flight suits. The airlock on the ship ship's dock. Um, oh, sorry. The airlock the ship docks at is unlucky number 13 in Roman numerals. Hmm. Uh, Sam Neill requested that the union Jack on an Australian a flag patch be replaced with an aboriginal flag the way he thought it would look in 1947. Okay. Um, Dr. Weir shares his name with historical figure uh, Johan uh, Weir, also known as Weir or Weiris. He was a Dutch physician, occultist, and demonologist. That sounds rad. Yeah. Um. 
Among those in the audience in 1997 was Galaxy Quest screenwriter Robert Gordon, who was amused by the uh, notion of the meat grinder tunnel that in response he created Galaxy Quest infamous quarter filled with chompers. See, I've <laughs> never seen Galaxy Quest. What? For shame. It's so fun. I'll have to watch it someday. Yeah. Um, so Scott Glenn and Bill Pullman turned down the role of Dr. Weir, which I think is for the best. Um, Scott Glenn, sure. Uh, Bill Pullman, I can't see playing that. And, um, I think Sam Neill was a good choice. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tommy Lee Jones, and Bruce Lewis were all considered for the role of Captain Miller. So glad Mm. they didn't do that. (laughs) Mm -mm. Uh, it had to be Lawrence Fishburne, man. Yeah. God, and it was one of my favorite parts about this movie, watching it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy Irons and Amy uh, Brenneman were originally set to star in the film. Hmm. That'd yeah. be cool. I like Jeremy Irons. Yeah, I do too. Um, in fact, I could, I, Jeremy Irons would uh, on there would probably be the one I could, other guy I could see playing Weir. Yeah, especially with his uh, with his voice. What I like about Sam Neill though is that you you could see him being a good guy, and mm-hmm. yet he has that ability to turn evil in a split second, and you go, "Oh yeah, okay, I buy that he's also crazy." Yeah. Um. Last one. Director cameo. Uh, Paul Anderson during the opening dream sequence, a book floats past the camera featuring a picture of the director in his name. The director himself jokes about this detail in the DVD commentary, saying it's his autobiography title, Paul Anderson, A Life. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so that's pretty much it for all of that. Um, How many, what what did you take for notes? Did you? uh, Nothing. You didn't take anything? No. Oh. This is your ball game. Oh, so that's what that feels like. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I'm, when I'm like, I didn't take any notes. I'm, I'm going to let you take it. Um, so I did take two, four, six. I took eight. I know we talked about keeping up five or six, but like, mm. like I said, we there can wasn't brush really by a, whole a couple lot. of these pretty quick. Oh yeah. So uh, the first thing that I, I I wrote down about this movie is is just the way that it starts out. Um, like you look up things about this movie, and they talk about the tone that the music has. Um, that kind of sets up for the, the movie and mm-hmm. then you push play and it's, I believe prodigy is the band that did the theme. Um, and it very much sounds like that. So like the way it starts out is it's very nineties. I don't even know what to fucking call it, yeah. but like, I'm not even remember. I just watched it a couple hours ago and I don't even remember the music. So it must not have been too, uh, impactful. No, not at all. And like, and that's no, nothing bad against, um, prodigy at all. Yeah. It just, it didn't fit with the movie. in my opinion. And that, um, yeah, it's just, if you're going to set up a dark movie talking about a ship that basically went to a hell dimension, came back possessed, that's not the music I would have chose. Yeah. I, like something slower, darker, more ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, like just imagining if John Carpenter would have did the score for this movie, like <laughs> elevated. Um, so the design, like 
we were talking about the uh, the design of the ship a little bit ago. I really do like the way it looked, mm-hmm. but it did kind of um, make me laugh a little bit because it almost like kind of felt like a Family Guy parody where they showed the ship and it says the event horizon across the front and it's got lights around it like it's a billboard yeah almost like it's got a marquee on the front of it and i'm like oh come on now seating for 12 <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just it kind of made me laugh because i'm like here's this dark ship that's been abandoned for seven years and then the lights turn on and it's like event horizon <laughs> now showing <laughs> yeah. at a theater near you yeah like, it just made me laugh a little bit um Another one of the things that stood out to me about this movie was um, the script, the dialogue. Uh, they did a lot of rhyming. See, and I didn't notice the rhyming. You didn't? No. I, you know, it like, was a little clunky, and it was, you know, there were moments where it was definitely 90s cheesy. I wish That's... I would have taken more notes because it's kind of like, you know, I'm out here snapping necks and cashing checks. Like a lot of <laughs> shit like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, come on. <laughs> trying to um, milk out any catchphrase they can use to make their movie more memorable than it is. Yeah, basically. Um, that kind of stood out to me quite a bit. Um, I was going to look and see if I can go into IMDb and pull up some of the, the quotes. Um, but well, uh, you know, If you want to do that, I can vamp for a little bit. Yeah, go for it. I, I liked it's weird because it does have kind of an odd tonal shift because it is very much like Alien in the first half. And then it has this Clive Barker, you know, twist where there's a bunch of spikes all over the place and mm-hmm. hell creatures and the, the torture scene in that video that's super, you know, bloody and Cronenbergian. So I guess I could see why it wouldn't be a massive hit, but I still mm-hmm. don't get the, the massive hate for it either. Right. Like well, it's like I said, we even on this show have watched much worse movies that get much higher praise than this does. I did find one of them, uh Justin, he's like, Everything's green on my screen, Skipper. <laughs> um <laughs> it's would. in that it's in that scene right there where they're all sitting there and like yeah. um I wish I could find some of the other ones, but then I'm reading through some of the the lines and I'm like, uh, you know, where he's like, you know, you can't leave. She won't let you. Um, And, you know, I have such wonderful, wonderful things to show you. That's a very Hellraiser. Yeah. Um, So we talked about this earlier. Um, I was thinking about taking notes about uh, from the title card. So Mm. in 2015, the first permanent colony was established on the moon. In 2032, commercial mining began on Mars. Uh, in 2040, deep space uh, research ves- vessel Event Horizon launched to explore the boundaries of the solar system. She disappears without a trace beyond the eighth planet, Neptune. It's, um, it is the worst space disaster on record. 2047, now, dot, dot, dot. Lame. I feel <laughs> like if they hadn't typed it out, like that single letter, t- Mm-hmm. type thing and it had just like dissolved in or faded in and appeared in sequence it would have been a lot more ominous than that corny like i don't know it it reminds me of a flashback in a cartoon where they're going to an army base or something and it goes yeah well and so 
I don't know. I kind of feel like they made Cooper kind of like, I wouldn't necessarily say the com- uh, comedic relief, um, but he did have quite a bit of jokes. So when oh, yeah. him and Stark are going back and forth and he's he's like, Stark, would you like something hot and black inside you? Mm-hmm. She flips him off and he's, he's like, oh, is that an offer? And she's like, it's not. And he's like, well, how about some coffee then? <laughs> I'm like, okay. He, he did have some good lines, but the last, when he decides to rocket himself back to the ship using the air... I don't remember uh, what he says, but it was thought, just, just so out I, of place and dumb. Yeah, there. I think it showed up on here, and I was gonna. I'm back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but see, the thing other with that, he was like, um, "Oh no, he's like, here I come, motherfucker." <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, he should have so, died. Like, <laughs> given every all the wreckage around him, and mm-hmm. he's just standing there, perfectly fine, still sealed to the whatever he was left standing on. He, yeah, right. <laughs> so when he called Ju- uh, he called Justin back to hand him his uh, toolkit, and he's like, oh, whoa. He said, oh, whoa, honey, honey, you forgot your briefcase. And then when um, they're doing kind of the ins- uh, introductions, and he's like, listen up, Doc, I'm your best friend, okay? I'm the lifesaver and the heartbreaker. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, so mm-hmm. there's... um. A lot of those back and forthies. Some of them come off better than others. Yeah. Um, Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne were the, like, I feel like the saving graces of the movie. Like, the movie itself yeah. was good. Mm-hmm. It was executed all right, but given the clusterfuck that it took to get it out, yeah. like, very thankful for those two because, especially Lawrence Fishburne, like, his underrated performance in this movie because if you think of him like it's like oh you know morpheus yeah or you know more recently he was he did he was uh john wicks and stuff like that but like nobody thinks of event horizon no i didn't i mean what i didn't even know what this movie was and had the hardest time remembering the title every time i thought that i needed to watch it i was like i need to watch that movie you know with those guys in it i figured i'd end up having to IMDb it just those guys just so I could remember what the damn movie's name was until you wrote it in the chat last night. Right. Um, so the next thing that I have, um, and I talked about it earlier in the movie too. I just remembered it being much more dark and tense than what I saw when I watched it last night. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like they did add a few cheap thrills you know jump scenes stuff like that um i i don't know it works though because like like we said this movie was sounds like it was a disaster to get out so yeah it could have been a lot worse than what we got i I could definitely see it going down a much worse road i i don't know like i said i for me almost everything works the only thing that i would change about this movie is (laughs) just better dialogue and better effects mm-hmm. like all the story beats are there i think maybe a little bit more fleshed out yeah but I, I i don't know it works a lot better than a lot of things i've seen and you said you haven't seen hellraiser correct yes i have for the seventh okay. time yes i have seen hellraiser and i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> i might okay. like it now because it's been many years but no, it's kind of it's it, it's Hellraiser is the meme of the show and anything yeah. related to it. It's funny to watch. Now that I can see you, it's funny to watch you get worked up. I'm, that's what I missed the most about recording the show 
was being able to see you kind of tense up in your chair, be like, "Yes, I have." God damn it! <laughs> well, I've told you this like seven times. Like, I yes, know, I've why seen it's, it. That's why it's funny. <laughs> Is it? Though? You're making it not funny because you're <laughs> making me explain the joke. <laughs> Is um, it so we talked about this also. Um, this movie it really did have alien vibes. Like mm-hmm. it even kind of looked like alien when they're all sitting around the table towards the beginning and explaining how everything's going. Like the, it looked like the ship from alien. Yeah. It has that weathered space look. Yeah. But, where everything is white and gray and, yeah, but a little know. worn. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, yeah, it had real alien vibes when they and the stasis ab- pods and mm-hmm. um, another thing that we had talked about definitely was the computer uh, graphics of this movie. Um, I really do feel if maybe they would have cut the forty-five second twirly space station shot down, maybe even in half, maybe even mm-hmm. a third, because um, this movie did come out the year, the same year that Mortal Kombat Annihilation came out, and given that. They're starting to drop a lot of uh, stills from the uh, movie. We were talking yesterday in the group chat about how bad the graphics for that movie were, mm-hmm. and this it might it might have just been 1997 because because yeah. the graphic, you know. Well, that's the thing. Those late 90s, early 2000s, you know, Mummy Returns era movies, where it's like we have the technology to do these effects kind of but they were already relying on them way too much to use Mm -hmm. them as much as they did yeah i agree i agree good um (laughs) so the other thing that like really stood out to me uh and i know that we talked about um the set design a little bit but like the core room like i i don't necessarily like understand I guess why the direction they went with some of the um, visuals of the set like sorry real brain fart there but like I was just trying to work it out in my mind what it is that I'm trying to get across but Mm -hmm. like so it does really have like a cathedral-esque vibe to it which I really do like which I, I feel adds to it but um it's just I'm surprised that nobody died by the spikes. That's what threw me, and it took me a couple viewings, you know, different goings to that area to notice the spikes. But once mm-hmm. I did, it was like, why are there a bunch of spikes? Yeah. Um, and I assumed that when that one lady fell down, she was going to get impaled. And I'm glad that she didn't. because I am she too, but it would have been like, that's what I would have done. Yeah, it's like, well, mm, what was expected, yeah. yeah. Instead instead of falling on the little catwalk there which was perfect because that just uh, yeah your body's fucked um but <laughs> you know the lights around the the core machine and how mm-hmm. they when it would spin it would sync up and then when it would activate would get obviously insanely bright um mm. i just man what you got going on over there snacks so you got some snacks? I, I hear rappers. That's my neck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Ouch. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like you're opening little like Werther's Originals or something. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just popping my neck. <laughs> uh, um. So. Yeah, like the set design, like how everything looked. It's it's one of my favorite things about the movie, aside from Lawrence Fishburne's acting, which is my next note. Mm. But like, honestly, if it didn't do that, if they didn't use that, I don't think that if they would have went with a more traditional um, ship vibe, like with what they did on the Lewis and Clark, I don't think that it would have vibed as well, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. like given the fact that it went to another dimen- hell type dimension, like it just, it looks like that's where it would have came from. Yeah. It gave that bit of fantastical that kind of sold the idea that that's something the ship could actually do. Right. Otherwise it's just, a regular ship that just happened to breach into hell for some reason. Yeah. And to talk about like, to kind of riff off, like I don't have this written down in the notes or anything. Like it went from zero to 60 with Sam, uh, Sam Neill really quick. Like when he's kind of playing it off the whole time, like you're like, at what point, does he start to be crazy? Is he crazy the whole time? Like it went from him being normally doing things to his hair. Like he gets a little crazier looking, Mm -hmm. you know, he rips his eyes out and then all of a sudden he's completely shaved and he looks like Hellraiser without spikes. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, even when they first go on to the ship and he's trying to go with them, Mm -hmm. there's a bit of crazy eye in there that I'm going, Hmm. Like, mm. there is something more to that. And yeah. Good old Larry Fish has to be like, okay, let's... Dial it just, back Yeah, dial bit, back. Though. Let us <laughs> recon this. Make sure it's not going to, you know, kill us all. And then you can yeah. come in and do your science stuff. Which is generally how it would be done anyway. Um yeah. But, like, and even more so with, like, when you start to kind of look at the, the wounds... Um, on Sam Neill or Dr. Weir, even the same as like what it was in the videos where they showed everything going on and then how the captain of the other ship or the other captain, you know, had his his eyeballs in his hands and all that. Like, mm-hmm. it's very a real del Toro. Tri- yeah. And they're like, you know, you know, where we're going, you don't like, you don't need your eyes, essentially. You know, very Doc Brown. Where we're going, we don't need those, (laughs) (laughs) right? But it's like, you know, where we're going, you don't need them. And so, um, sorry, I just got a notification. Yeah, no, it's just letting me know that something was delivered to my house. (laughs) Give me that money. Um, But then, like, when you look a little bit closer, they're not just like cuts and gashes. Like, there's like symbols carved in. Like I didn't on even his get chat, that. Like on, I think on the forehead, on the chest, um, on his back. Like, hmm. you know, there's a lot of cuts, but there's some some symbols there. I kind of feel like you know what we haven't done in a long time is kind of post pictures with our with our drops. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna try to see if I can find some for this one. Yeah. Try to like I've been slacking on the social medias, so thank you for keeping that afloat. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it is weird because I I remember asking you what the deal was with this movie. Like, what is this even about other than it's space? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't tell me. And I'm glad you didn't. But it's also <laughs> one of those things where it's like, I don't know how I would explain this 
and do it justice. And I'm it, that way with everything. Like well, yeah. you asked me to like explain something like I am like I'm surprised I can do anything on the podcast because I'm really bad at explaining things. Things. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like see here I'm going to show I'm going to hold the the picture up to the camera so you can kind of see what I'm talking about but like there's a lot oh, yeah, of like, okay. like carvings and all that kind of stuff and I'll put that on the Facebook. Yeah. Um hmm, okay. I didn't yeah. catch all that or it just didn't stick in the brain. I just remember mm-hmm. all the little cuts on his face and stuff. Yeah. But I don't oh. know, it's I wish they had set up the idea of this hell dimension and that's what this was going towards, but I'm also glad they didn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because it's more of a surprise that way. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a tough call to make because it's like, okay, if they had kind of set up this notion of a hell dimension from the get-go, I think it would have made more sense, but not doing it gives you that extra surprise in the movie where it's like, oh, it's not aliens again, or a yeah. alien virus again. It's, you know, an, another div- dimension with these horrible creatures. Yeah, I was just looking at another picture. One of the things I liked about the movie was, um, like, the bridge, the way that the um, the windshield, mm-hmm. in quotes, looked like a cross. Or yeah. in this picture, it looks more almost like a like a plus sign Chevy symbol, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then if you if you look at the front of the ship, like, not only does it kind of look like like an iron giant's head, yeah. <laughs> but like. Or like a the, metal fish. Yeah, but like the Event Horizon, which is that big white blob that you see at the top, is just it's so, so out of place. Yeah. Like it, it's not necessary to have like I don't know. Maybe it's just the lighting <laughs> around it. I don't know. It just it doesn't do it for me. Would that's fair? Yeah. Um, other like, and I keep talking about this, but the other thing I wrote like. Just Larry Fish, man. Lawrence Fishburne is a fucking stallion in this movie. He's great and, at everything. Well, he really is, and like all the act, like everybody, like dialogue aside, like w- it was well acted. Yeah, I mean, you we know, didn't like, even talk about uh, Jason Isaacs. No, I mean we didn't. He's a, and which is his character. Huh, yeah, like there's so many people in this movie like of course like a Jolie Richardson she was bigger in the 90s I don't know if she, what she's been up to yeah. acting wise lately if she's still even going Jason Isaacs was you know big name was yeah. uh, the villain in the Patriot he was he did Harry, the Harry Potter. Potter movies yeah yeah like um, the other what was uh, the guy who played Justin I'm, he looked familiar but I couldn't place him He's done a bunch of things, but he's always that guy that you're like, oh, okay, I've seen this guy in everything, but I don't know where I've seen him from. Um, he, I think his last name was like Noseworthy or some shit, where it was like, okay. It's <laughs> a dumb I don't, name. It, <laughs> well, that's not very nice. <laughs> if for me. some reason he's listening to the, sh- the listens to our show and he's like, well, first of all, Justin, fuck you. Um, his name is um, Jack Noseworthy. Um, been in quite a, he's got a decent IMDB, but he was, he's, mo- he's a, had a lot more stuff like in the 90s, 2000s, some TV show stuff. 
Um, was a uh, was trying to see. He was in Encino. Oh yeah, he was the skater in Encino Man. He um, was in Barbed Wire, <laughs> Breakdown, Mojave Moon, Idle Hands, U five seven one, Undercover Brother. Nice. I love that movie. Then did some TV for a while, but I mean he, he's been been in some stuff. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, so who else? Peters, Kathleen Quinlan. Like I don't recognize her, even though her name was. Oh, is she the mom in Hills Have Eyes? Okay, but yeah, like her her name was highly billed, and like I didn't recognize it. Yeah. Um. Decent, decent cast. Like I say, I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's a good movie. I I can't understand the the massive amounts of hate, considering other things that are much more well regarded, that are much much worse. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was trying to think of where I recognized Smith from the pilot, because mm-hmm. he had that face and the voice where I'm like, God, I've seen this guy before. Um, he was, he was Alfred in Gotham. Oh. Okay. Yeah. He did look like, kind of familiar, but I didn't really think about it. Yeah, because I was pulling it up and I'm like, where the fuck have I seen him before? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was Alfred, he's Alfred in Gotham. Um, hmm. a lot of the Legend of the Dark Knight stuff. Oh, that's the episode. Well, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, so... Beans. Given that we've kind of we're only an hour in and we've talked a shitload about this movie <laughs> and like I'm I don't really have anything else to talk about with it. That's fair enough. And you said you didn't do a scorecard for this one? No, there wasn't really anything to do. Like I mean <laughs> any scene that had gore could be considered grossest kill. We could talk about our favorite kill, but like I did yeah. like I mean I guess just for talking points sake, let me pull up my Yeah thing here i i did like the idea of the ship manipulating the different crewmen and Mm -hmm. using the ghost sun to lure what's her face into falling in the first place like that was a clever idea Mm -hmm. and i could see if you know if they bumped up the creepy factor that would be a really cool scene to expand upon in a remake yeah uh obviously i wanted sam neil to die and Larry Fish to survive. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that would have been the same. Um, I, I did, I did, like, I liked them all. Um, Cooper did make me laugh quite a bit, even mm-hmm. though he had some of those shitty one-liners. But like, the only one I didn't like was when he blasted off with the oxygen. I'm back, <laughs> bitches! Like, really? That's. <laughs> I'm coming back, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. The yeah. only. I even That's actually had a bad. I had a hard time finding a dumbest moment for this, and I actually didn't have one until Crazy Sam Neil harpooned the window. Yeah, and it's like ass. you just killed yourself, and everyone else yeah. is fine. Even the guy you shot somehow survived again, right? And is going to be just fine. Yeah, the tense moment of being like, "Oh my god, is she going to make it through the hatch?" That was tense. It was. I was because I mean I've never seen this before, so I didn't know. You know, maybe Fish was the only one who was going to survive. Well, yeah, it was it's, kind of a callback to what they're talking about, like why he kept seeing the guy on fire. 
and his mm-hmm. backstory about um letting the guy die yeah and yeah. they're like oh my god is it gonna happen to him again mm-hmm. no sir <laughs> no, saved her in a classic 90s move he redeemed yeah. himself <laughs> and you totally redeemed yourself <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's all I got for, um, Event Horizon. That's fine. I, I know it kind of sound, sounded like I, I don't like this movie as much. Oh no, I think I jazzed on it more than you did. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Even that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, and that's just because I'm trying to find that note taking groove. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot to take away from this movie to write down to talk about, like... No, it's not incredibly deep or moving or, you know, yeah. it, it'll be forgotten in time, I'm sure. But I say, you know, of other things we've watched, it's definitely not the worst by far. I'd yeah. watch this again long before I would ever watch Maximum Overdrive or Killer Clowns again. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, poor man. That's too bad. Like, given now that we given okay so this is the second episode of 2021 mm-hmm. we it's too bad we, we like i know you've done your top 20 list like your top list of the year like we <laughs> i was just kind of thinking like how funny would it be go back to be like talking about episodes throughout the year like a recap being like how you always favorite shit on movies kill- <laughs> yeah how you always shit on killer clowns and maximum overdrive and all that kind of stuff i don't think have we picked something that you actually, aside from maybe this, that you, like, actually didn't like? I'd have to go back and look at the our set list, essentially, mm. but I don't feel like there's really anything that we've covered that I'm just like, Ugh. I mean, you, there's a yeah, few well, that you uh, want to cover that yeah. I'm not jacked about, mm-hmm. but anything that we've kind of seen so far, Scanners... Like, it's, it's not really my jam. That's one of those mm. ones where I kind of feel like if you didn't watch it growing up, kind of like how Monster Squad is with me, like, if it's not, even though that's, you know. Yeah. Let's and that's see. one that I didn't hate, but it's not something I'd ever watch again either. I think yeah. you've picked more things that I don't like than I've picked the things that you don't like. Yeah, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Identity. Um, mm. Scanners is all right. But yeah, given that we're, I think we're getting close to, what episode was the last, the number of the last episode we did? Um, Mm -hmm. I think Night of the Living Dead. Of course, I didn't write it down. Generally, I'll put it, I'll put it in the set, in the, in the list of it there. So Black Christmas was the episode before that. We... That was episode forty-four. We've been doing the show for almost two years, and we're only this is episode forty-six. That's about how that works, yeah. Is it? Yes. Math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just saying it feels 52 like fifty-two is two years. <laughs> Twenty-six <laughs> times two. I it's fifty-two. <laughs> I'm talking about perception, fuckface. Mm-hmm. It feels like we've been doing the show forever. Yeah. It's like we've been doing this episode forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by far our shortest episode. Yeah, I'm surprised. I thought that lasted a lot longer. But we got a few yeah. more things to cover before we uh, scoot on out of here, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. So, um, one of those being uh, your next episode topic. Yes. 
Uh, I have decided to check off one more thing on our list of subgenres that we need to cover. I think we only have like one other thing, which would be folk. And I'm going with nature, which is essentially any, uh, you know, animal or outside nature force attacking people. Mm-hmm. And I decided to pick the classic Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. Ooh, The Birds. I watched it over Halloween. I mean, it's, it is creepy. Yeah, I, I remember watching it. It was one of those ones we got to watch in school. Yeah, I did too. And I was a big fan of it. Um, so, given that you just said that, that leaves folk horror. Um, yeah. And obviously, like, the first thing that I think of, you know, would be, like, Midsummer. Yeah. Uh, or so, Wicker Man. Wicker Man, The Witch, which you talked about before yeah. recording, wanting to talk about again. Um, there's quite a few. I might, maybe, maybe my next topic will be folk and we'll just get it out of the way. Um, who knows? Um, I got a few ideas of ones I want to do, but we'll see. Um, what else we got? So we're, we're going to do, um, the birds, Mm -hmm. classic Hitchcock. Yeah. I think it's because we haven't done psycho yet. Have we? Mm -mm. Yeah. So this will be our first delve into the the world of hitchcock yeah that's true we haven't done that yet and i'm surprised because i just watched psycho like two months ago yeah i did too yeah it's been really recent it'd be a lot of fun to dive into some of that real classic um black and white you know find a way to do like talk about like the twilight zone or Mm -hmm. a lot of those old episodes would be fun um go down Go down memory lane. Talk about the Munsters or the <laughs> or the Adams family. Yeah. There's places that's available. I don't think I've ever actually watched an episode of the Munsters or Adams family. Really? Really? I, I've seen I, clips, obviously, but I've never actually sat down and watched an episode. Yeah, the Munsters. I watched the shit out of that when I was younger, more so than I did Adams Adams family. My daughter mm-hmm. loves it, but that's also because. They came out with that um, recent animated, I think yeah. last year, 2019. She really yeah. likes that. It was good. Yeah, it was. I she likes to likes to sing the theme song. Nice. Um, but yeah, what else we got, Justin? I'm I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank. You said there's a few others. Um, I guess the last thing to do before uh, Brandon takes us out and says our goodbyes is for me to do some shameless plugging. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Go ahead. Uh, as of last night, uh, our good friend Jeremy and I recorded our very first episode of We Are Marvel. It should be hitting through Audacity. I was going to ask you before we started recording where that Anchor. allows... Yeah, okay. Is there, are there other platforms when you first launch that you can get it from? So, when you upload to Anchor, it'll initially be available there. Okay. And so, it'll generally take a few days... For things to start to pop up, it 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 automatically distributes to other platforms. So mm-hmm. literally, you just upload the episode and it it puts it out there for you. Right. Which is if if you guys listen to the ad in the beginning of the show, it is my favorite thing about Anchor. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that it. It, it puts it out there for you. Um, and I know things like iTunes, you have to have a couple episodes out before they will accept it so they know you're a real thing that's ongoing instead of just a one and done. Right. Um, 
and then I'll, I'll expand on that there in a minute though. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Justin and Jeremy, we are Marvel. Do you want to expand on that? Sure. Uh, so Jeremy and I did a show uh, that ended almost exactly two years ago. We looked it up. Our last post date for Out of Work Sidekick, still available wherever you listen to podcasts, if you want to <laughs> laugh, uh, came out exactly two years ago hmm. from when we recorded our first episode. But we, uh, Jeremy and I are big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, and uh, this is our chance to expand upon that, delve deep into the movies, uh, have fun, you know, side topics of, you know, our ranking the trailers and, you know, imagining ourselves with the powers and if this hero went bad, what would that be like? There's a lot of potential for content yeah. in just that in itself. And so, yeah, we mapped out a year's worth of episodes already at a every other week release uh, schedule, which doesn't even get us past uh, the Winter Soldier as far as uh, movie coverage goes. <laughs> so, yeah. We got a lot to do, and we're gonna—we're not sure how we're gonna do new releases because there's like ten this year between shows and movies. Uh, mm-hmm. If it'll be bonus episodes or if we'll just shift everything back a week, you know, that's that's up for decision still. De- but well, depending on um, the length of your episodes, um, if like what is what is your guys' shoot time like? What are it's you about guys what this hit? was. We uh, we did our first one yesterday, and it was about an hour and a half. Okay. I was going to say, um, bleeding into another shameless plug. Um, I, myself, I do another podcast with, um, some buddies from work. It's called the art of banter. Um, we generally run about 45 minutes to an hour on the runtime. We try to keep it short because we want to do, we're doing weekly drops. So kind of like how pod and gore comes out every Monday, every other Monday, um, the art of banter comes out every Monday, but they're shorter. So we generally double dip, um, on the records. And so that's why I was asking how long your episodes were, because depending on, on all that content, I mean, and if you guys, you'll never catch up, No, <laughs> you know what I mean? But Which I mean, isn't it, you know, necessarily it gives a bad us, thing. Yeah. It gives us years and years of, you know, stuff and we can always change formats and double up on stuff and, you know, push out more. Right. Um, but it, it's very similar to the structure of, this show, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the production and development of these movies, the things that we love most about them, some Easter eggs that are hidden throughout for the the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, it's really just it's this show, but for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So please yeah. come give us a try. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, so his is coming out soon. Um, if you wouldn't mind checking out my other show, like I said, it's called The Art of Banter. Um, it's not as distributed as Pod and Gore is. I think we're on six or seven different platforms, but um, you can catch us on the on all the main ones. Spotify. We've been we got about four episodes, four or five up now, and then we have a new one dropping on Monday. So there's there's some content there for you if you want to check it out. It's just basically me and some buddies from work. We we pick a topic, and then we bitch about it. Um, it's Fair just enough. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, like our first episode is, um, aggravations and pet peeves that bled into a two parter surprise. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's basically, it's just how we talk to each other all the time. We just decided 
like, hey, let's just start recording our conversations. And that's basically yeah. what it is. And so uh, shameless plugs complete. Definitely yes. make sure you check out We Are Marvel and The Art of Banter. Um, like, review, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to hear back on your thoughts. Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, that's all I got. We we milked it out for an extra 15 minutes. So there we go. Got a res- <laughs> respectable run time here. All right. Um, so that is Event Horizon, our side hustles, all the fun stuff in a <laughs> nutshell. Um, you can catch us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We have a, a Facebook uh, group there as well. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of it. Um, it's quite active. Yeah. Um, and so we'd love to have you in there. Just all we ask is that you you do answer the questions, even though 90% of the people who join the group haven't actually listened to our show. So it's just basically horror fans who like to talk horror and share horror memes. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at gore underscore pod. We're on the Slasher app um, at pod and gore podcast, no spaces, underscores. Um, you can email us at pod and gore at gmail.com. Uh, that's all the ways to get a hold of us. Uh, we're responsive. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you haven't already, please like, review, rate. Yeah. Do all, do all that stuff. To, yeah. All that stuff to try to help discoverability. Um, and if you have an, a topic you want us to cover, a movie that we haven't uh, done already, let us know. We'll be happy to, to toss it into the mix. Yeah. Um, Justin said he has his next few episodes mapped out. I have an idea. Um, so, yeah, just let us know what it is that you want, and we would be happy to oblige because without you guys, this is basically what we do without the recording. So, yeah. Yeah, it just gives us that extra push yeah and it's something that we both obviously enjoy quite immensely given that we we do several difference on the side so like yeah um talking about our passions is a passion Mm. surprise um but until then we'll catch you uh we'll catch you again in two weeks with the birds until then i've been justin and i've been brandon and we will see you next time bye Bye-bye.